Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, yesterday, uh, the Premier was clearly more concerned about opinion polls than he was with the skyrocketing cost of rent. The Premier's comments were out of touch with the experience of the majority of renters in our province. To suggest that life was more affordable for renters is simply not true. During this Premier's time in office, the average rent in Surrey has gone up by a whopping $2,700 per year. Why wouldn't the Premier know that? Well, perhaps it's because the NDP MLAs uh, representing that region are silent and not standing up for the renters in their constituencies. Well, I can suggest to the members who think that's amusing. Members, members, order, please. I would suggest that if the MLAs that are laughing and chuckling about rent going up by $2,700, I think their constituents would have something else to say to them about that. So today, will the Premier explain to Surrey renters why they're paying $225 a month more in rent, despite his multiple promises to make life more affordable for them. Attorney General and Minister responsible for housing. Speaker, it's a very uh, important question, and I'm glad the member is asking it. Um, when our uh, government came into power, one of the first things we changed was to uh, remove the additional 2% annual surcharge to every tenant's monthly rent that the previous government had in place. So tenants every year would see a 2% rent increase plus the cost of inflation. And we changed that to just inflation. And then when COVID hit, we said no rent increases during the pandemic. And so when the member stands up and says she's concerned about renter affordability, when she was on this side of the house, she added 2% for no reason, just an extra 2% every year. It would have buried families if we allowed that to continue, and we stopped it. She raises an important point about new tenancies. New tenants are struggling to find a place to live. It's a big problem. And that's why we've really emphasized the construction of new rental housing. In fact, in the last five years of our government, we've had more rental housing registered than in the 15 years that they were in power. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Five years. Five years, multiple promises, over and over again, life's going to be more affordable. Let's look at Langley. Rents are up over $2,800 per year. In Maple Ridge, the hike has been almost $2,700 hardly more affordable by anyone's standards. The minister knows that young people can't afford to buy in, this, uh, in the Lower Mainland anymore. And now under this government, they're also being priced out of the rental market. The Premier, not once, but twice, 
promised a renter's rebate of $400. Now, we absolutely know that it will not cover the massive increase in rents that renters across this province have experienced, but it would make a difference. So a very straightforward question. It was a promise more than once that there would be a renter's rebate in British Columbia. Can the minister confirm that they intend to keep the promise they made to renters? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Yes, we're working on it. Member for Peace River South. <laughs> All right, members, first question is over. It's okay. Let's continue the second question. Member for Peace River South. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, you know, this government wants to continue trying to, uh, and, this, and the Premier and the Minister want to continue trying to pat themselves on the back, which shows just how out of touch they are with what's really happening on the ground right now for people, for families. After five years, it has never, ever been less affordable to live in this province. They're not listening to what the people have to say. People like Allison, who was just evicted from her home. Allison was evicted. And she says, and I quote, for me to find an equivalent sized property in the same general area, my rent has now going to go up by $600. All, all of our monthly expenses have gone up, end quote. So members, can chuckle, members can laugh at this issue, but it's an important issue facing people like Allison who can no longer afford an NDP government. Even in places like Courtney Comox, rent's gone up almost $3,300 a year, but what do we hear from the MLA representing that area? Nothing. Life is not affordable anymore for so many people, and people are silent on the NDP side. So if housing affordability is it, you know, it's interesting to hear what the minister said. I'll give him another opportunity. Because we have the sixth budget coming up, five years of an NDP government, multiple, multiple times for five years where they could have solved this issue and promised a $400 renter's rebate. Do we expect to see it next week then in the budget? Minister. Well, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I, there is nobody on this side of the house laughing about the situation faced by renters in this province. Not a single person. What we find amusing is the idea that the BC Liberals are the party of renters. I mean, that's fine. That is fine. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break, Honourable Speaker. But, I mean, we, we do face a really serious issue. We had 19,567 people moved to British Columbia from other countries in the last three months of, the, of last year. 5,717 people moved to BC from other provinces. It's 25,000 people in the last three months of the year. They're all looking for housing. They're all looking for a place to live. And so we need to bring more rental housing stock online to help press those rents down. People are trying to find housing. And they want to come to British Columbia because we have an economy that works for everyone, but that brings challenges. It's a good challenge for us to work on to get more rental housing on, to make renting more affordable for people. I, I'm glad the members are raising this issue. It's not something to be taken lightly, and we're working very hard on it. $2 billion, Honourable Speaker, in the housing hub. 
to build affordable housing. 34,000 affordable rental housing units across the province since we formed government. We've got a lot more work to do, but we've got a good start. Supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. You know, they definitely have a lot more work to do, and that would be starting by actually coming good on any of their election promises mm. that they've promised uh, to the people of British Columbia. I, I, I thought I heard something about gas prices weren't going to go up. The Premier was going to fix that. Silence. Failed promise. I heard cell bills weren't going to go up, that that was going to be fixed under this government. Silence. Nothing happened. Failed promise. $400 rebate. Failed promise. One failed election promise after another. But look, but look, you know, people, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the minister acknowledged that we're caring about people because we are. This is an important issue. And they can chuckle all they want, but we're raising it because we're hearing from people in our communities and we're bringing it forward to this house, unlike the NDP MLAs on the backbench who are silent on this issue. Absolutely silent. $1,500 rent's gone up a year in Richmond. $2,600 a year in North Vancouver, rent's gone up. Crickets. I don't hear anything from the members representing those ridings who are speaking up on behalf of the constituents who can no longer afford to rent. So, so to the say anything to get elected governments, uh, will they actually start following through with their promises to help renters in British Columbia so they can afford to stay in this beautiful province? Attorney General. So I, I, uh, I appreciate the question. You know, I, I wonder, though, about a party who chooses a man, Kevin Falcon, to be their leader, who is undeniably a real estate speculator, to lead them into better housing policy. <laughs> and the first thing, the first thing he says that he's members, going to do, the first thing he's to going order. to do, Order. The first thing he's going to do. You're wasting your precious time, members. They don't want to hear this. It hurts. Minister will continue. It hurts. The member says they're looking after people. The first thing he's going to do is get rid of the speculation tax that brought 18,000 vacant homes onto the rental market for people to live in. These are the big ideas to look after people. I'm sure the members don't want me to go into the speculation engaged in by the other side. I'm sure they don't. But I can tell you whose side they're on, Honourable Speaker, and it is not the side of renters, and it is not the side of British Columbians. Leader of the Third Party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. When asked yesterday about growing inequality in accessing primary health care services in this province, the Minister of Health says that he has referred the matter to the Medical Services Commission. The Medical Services Commission is responsible for ensuring that all BC residents have reasonable access to medical care, including diagnostic imaging. Yesterday, my colleague brought up the fact that British Columbians are being forced to pay for these services. 
The minister implied that this government is okay with services such as diagnostics and preventative screenings requiring a fee because, as he said, quote, they are non-medically necessary services beyond the healthcare system. So on the one hand, the minister says that he is concerned with inequality in our healthcare system, but in the same response, he indicates that his government is comfortable with British Columbians paying extra fees for access to health care. My question for you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. Does the Minister see these additional fees as creating two-tiered health care based on the ability to pay in British Columbia? Minister of Health. Uh, Honourable Speaker, I'm very surprised the, minister talks, the member talks about diagnostic services. In the final year of the previous government, we did 174,000 MRIs in British Columbia. Last year, during COVID, during COVID, we did 252,000. And, Honourable Speaker, that work was done by health professionals, and it made a real difference. When you, as we had in the North, underserve MRIs, as happened, less than half of the national average of MRIs in those communities, when you underserve them in a place, people have no option but to, for medically necessary care often to get that. And we changed that. How do we do it? By going in, there was one MRI machine going 24-7 in the public system. There are now 12. We obtained, we bought from the private sector additional MRI capacity, and we added MRIs all over the province, including here on Vancouver Island. This improves public health care. It improves public health care for everyone, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Leader of the third party, supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I, I wasn't speaking specifically about diagnostics. I was speaking about the reality, and the question was very clear, and it was following on the question from my colleague yesterday. There are clinics in British Columbia that are charging additional fees so that patients can access diagnostic and preventable, preventive health care services. My question to the minister was about where he stands on the fact that people are paying additional fees to get additional access to primary health care in British Columbia. At the same time, under this government's watch, corporate delivery of health care is creeping into our system. We are seeing a corporatization of primary health care with TELUS Health and their partners Babylon. To be clear, a private multi-billion dollar corporation is delivering health care and charging additional fees to people who want access to premium care. My question again to the Minister of Health. Can he explain to British Columbians how and why, under his watch, a global telecommunications company is delivering health care in our province? Minister of Health. Honourable, Honourable Speaker, uh, the members did ask questions yesterday with respect to um, a clinic uh, in the member for Saanich and the Islands constituency. He'll know, and I think he knows this, that last year the Medical Service Commission did take action. They got a response uh, from the clinic. 
the clinic worked its way back into compliance, and of course, we're still working with that clinic. So what that means is the actions that we've taken to improve the Medicare Protection Act, to bring in force sections of that act that have been left dormant, have seen real results for people. And we're going to continue to do that in every case. Uh, the New Democratic Party, as people will know, but it's not just us. I think it's all members of this house, are the party of public health care. And I will continue to do everything I can, including adding MRIs, including repatriating workers who've been contracted out, including bringing back services in his constituency and others for home care, including building hospitals in the public system for the public. That is what we're going to continue to do under this government. Member for Kamloops, South Thompson. Uh, th thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, uh, small businesses that make up the wedding and events uh, uh, industry in British Columbia have lost uh, between 70 and 90 percent of their revenue over the past two years. Uh, Paige uh, Petru of Spotlight Events says, and I quote, the impact on our industry extends six to 12 months minimum beyond any lockdown period. We cannot open and close overnight, end quote. Mr. Speaker, the damage has been done to these businesses, and they feel like they have been abandoned by this government for the past couple of years. What they need now, however, is financial support in order to be able to reopen. So my question uh, to the Premier is this. Why has the Premier allowed these small businesses to completely fall through the, the cracks when it comes to needed supports? And will the Premier commit to actually flowing the supports to businesses in the events uh, sector so that they can do what they need to do to call their employees back and, and get back open in, in communities across this province as quickly as possible? Minister of Jobs, Economic Recovery and Innovation. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I'll start by uh, acknowledging and thanking uh, BC Chambers across the province. This is BC Chamber Week, and I know it's been acknowledged in this House. We've been engaging with the Chambers, we've been engaging with businesses throughout this pandemic, Honourable Speaker. Uh, over half a billion dollars of grants directly going into the pockets of businesses. In fact, the types of businesses the member mentioned also had access to those grants, and those dollars were there to be able to support businesses to pivot and adapt to this pandemic. And the results, Honourable Speaker, the results is that we are leading the country in economic recovery. We have the... We have the lowest unemployment rate in the entire country. We have 30,000 people net moving to British Columbia this year alone, this last year alone, that's the highest in over 28 years. People are coming to British Columbia because they see opportunities, and a report was laid out last week that lays out that we have one million new job openings coming to British Columbia over the next 10 years, Honourable Speaker. Lots of opportunities. The economy is humming along very well. We're the envy of the country. And, Honourable Speaker, the wages are also going up. And I know there's been lots of discussions today about affordability. Uh, I know that the new-ish... I'll say, I'll I'll, I'll say newish leader of the opposition, Kevin Falcon, said wages going up are it's not good. He said the minimum wage going up is, is a bad decision. And I know that it was their economic policy for many years, in fact, 10 years not raising minimum wage. Their policy was to keep people down, keep their wages down, Honourable Speaker. And so we're going in a different direction, Honourable Speaker. The investments we're making Thank are you. making a difference. Businesses Thank are you. doing well. Some are struggling. We're going to continue to support them.
Member for Cameron South Thompson, supplemental. Thank you very much. Well, you know, the, 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 the minister's uh, rambling, uh, I, I can only assume, leadership speech. He might be warming up and, and testing out some lines, but it falls flat. It, it's falling flat with the businesses across the province, like Judy's, uh, like Pages, like all of the other small businesses in the events sector that, uh, that aren't sure that they're going to be able to actually turn their lights back on uh, when they're allowed to reopen. He didn't, he didn't mention anything in response to, to the question about uh, the business that I uh, mentioned, the specific example. And, you know, to the minister, uh, you can you can say it over and over and over again. Uh, it doesn't make it right. British Columbia is number eight when it comes to providing direct grants to, to support small businesses. So let's let's uh, let's try let's try this again. Uh, as I said in my first question, the events sector has been completely forgotten by this government when it comes to uh, supports. Uh, and, and everything the government has put out there, it's been bungled. It certainly hasn't made its way to, to uh, businesses in, in sectors like the live event sector and the event sector generally. Judy Reeves, here's another real example, a real person, and I want the minister to, to, to hear this and respond to this specific situation. Judy Reeves owns Edge Catering. It's a Vancouver-based catering company. And she says, and I quote, my business has been financially and operationally decimated since the start of the pandemic. I have, I, I, seriously. You know, if if Judy Reeves was in here and could see the the, the members opposite laughing at, at her very real uh, uh, crisis with her business, uh, I, I I don't think she'd be very impressed. It's appalling. Judy, Judy Reeves, Judy Reeves says, and I quote, my business has been financially and operationally decimated since the start of the pandemic. I have laid off 50 staff and lost three and a half million in revenue last year alone. I have significant overhead that I must maintain daily, and I'm trying to retain my key staff that I have invested in over the years. I continue to barely keep my business afloat, but this government has completely shut us out of financial supports." End quote. So the question uh, to, to, the, to the Premier uh, would be this. What does the Premier have to say to Judy Reeves, who despite consistently doing the right thing through this pandemic, respecting all health measures, always trying to do good by, by her employees, all the while losing 90% of her revenue over the past year, uh, uh, year, is ineligible. She's ineligible to receive a single penny from the, the government's most recent uh, grant to support small business. Minister of Economic Recovery. Yeah, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, uh, and I'll start by saying to Judy and others, I know that some businesses have had a challenging time over the last two years of the pandemic. Uh, we have been there to support businesses. A member knows we canvassed this at great length uh, in estimates last year about the supports that were available. In fact, we shared, I think, in writing also uh, with the member on the supports that were available. So supports have been there. Uh, Judy can also know that the supports we provided for businesses was for those who were directly closed by health orders uh, and businesses that were not directly uh, impacted. The, the member asked a question for Judy. I think the member should Members, give me an opportunity to share some information with Judy. Answer, um, his heckling is not helping uh, Judy get any answers. Uh, the message to Judy would be that there are right now programs available because from the beginning of the pandemic, we've worked with the federal government to make sure that our programs are fully aligned. So we are supporting businesses that are directly shut down by the pandemic, and the federal government is coming up to 75% rent and wage subsidies for any business impacted by the pandemic. And if Judy needs help to be able to access those dollars, we're certainly willing to help.
Member for Caribou Chilcotin. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, gym owners are also frustrated. Gym owners were shocked when they found out that they had to be a mega corporation and employ more than 99 people to qualify for the full amount of the closure relief grant. Only the NDP could come up with a plan like this. Chantel of Fit City Athletica says that to make matters worse, they were told that because some of their employees were part-time, their grant amount may be reduced by 80% to $1,000. Will the Jobs Minister please explain why, after these businesses have been forced to close, he is punishing them? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, the member will know that we have consistently provided the highest per capita supports for people and businesses in the entire country. Honourable Speaker. The member will also know that gyms have access to the financial supports. We have provided the supports of businesses and, in particular, gyms that are impacted. In fact, many gyms in his community have already been approved and many have started to receive the money already, Honourable Speaker. And I'll just share with the member that this. Uh, we heard from uh, businesses, uh, some that were providing youth programs, that, uh, that they weren't fully closed, but they still uh, were not getting the revenues anywhere close to where they were prior to uh, being shut down. We changed the program requirements so that they could uh, get access to the financial supports as well, Honourable Speaker. So the supports are there. Uh, gyms are accessing it. Uh, I met with the Fitness Council last week. They're very pleased that these supports are getting to businesses that desperately need the help. And our main message to the public is, uh, now that you are able to get active and be fit again, go back to the gyms, uh, take care of your mental and physical health. Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Frankly, that is offensive and insulting. Reform Fitness in Williams Lake is now permanently closed under your funding models. Chantel says, and I quote, funding was simply not enough and could not be delivered fast enough to be much help to our gym. Heating bills alone were more than $1,000 and rent much more than that, end quote. I would suggest that very few gyms in this province actually employ 99-plus people needed to get the full grant. To the Minister, if the NDP was sincere in their attempt to help these businesses, why would they introduce something so unrealistic? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I think that there's um, uh, certainly, I hope there's no disagreement in this House that we uh, need to continue to follow health guidelines and some measures were needed by PHO to ensure that we can keep our community safe. Uh, I know that those additional measures have been uh, challenging for uh, gyms in particular because uh, they've been closed. But, Honourable Speaker, um, we have continued from the beginning of the pandemic to provide the highest supports per capita for people and businesses in the entire country. Businesses have access to the support, as I uh, shared with the member from Kamloops who wasn't aware, that it's in partnership with the federal government. So it's our grants are direct grants. They don't need to pay them back, Honourable Speaker, because that's what we heard from the sector. And the federal government is providing uh, up to 75% for wage and rent subsidies for businesses that are impacted. So, Honourable Speaker, these measures uh, I know are, um, uh, are um, supporting a lot of businesses through British Columbia. I know some are still feeling the pinch, and we're going to continue to be there to support them as we navigate these challenging times. 
Member for Camloops, North Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The minister just isn't uh, being forthright with the public. We're number eight in support. 66% of provincial supports is actually debt being put onto businesses. And the minister, every time, repeatedly seems to refer back to say basically he'll help you fill out forms for federal programs because he has no way to actually help the business with his own bungled programs. Here's an Here's another example of a bungled program. In Kamloops, we have a cafe and lounge. In December, it was shut down with the latest restrictions. Shut down by the local liquor inspector because the appetizers on the menu were deemed to not be full meal service. But now the job ministry disagrees and says, no, actually, the menu did qualify. This business is not able to access the grants after being closed by this government. Will the minister reverse this and make sure this business is made whole for them doing the right thing and shutting down when they were told by the government to shut down. Minister of Economic Recovery. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, I think I want to take this opportunity to thank um, both Dr. Henry and, and, and uh, the Minister of Health and the entire team that's been working around the clock to ensure the public is safe. I've had, I've had the opportunity to talk to colleagues across the country, um, business owners from across the country. They all point to British Columbia as the province that did it right, Honourable Speaker. We had the least amount of disruptions. Uh, we continue to see the economy uh, open in a very safe way. It was always measured with safety first. How do we ensure that we can continue to operate businesses in a safe way? And that. Honourable Speaker, means that we had the least amount of disruption to businesses from any province in this country. We had the least amount of disruption to manufacturing. Construction continued to operate. Uh, and overwhelmingly, every stakeholder, and they'll know this too if they've had a chance to talk to stakeholders, uh, they will tell them that uh, the, the handling of health here in province uh, and the measures and the financial supports have been welcomed by businesses across country. In fact, just in Kamloops, Honourable Speaker, just in Kamloops, $11 million in grants has gone to businesses in their community. $11 million to small businesses so they can continue to operate in a very safe way, Honourable Speaker, and the results speak for themselves. Fastest job recovery rate, lowest unemployment rate. People are moving to British Columbia to seek better opportunities because they know this is the place to be for, uh, uh, to better their lives and better their opportunities for their families. We're proud of that. We're going to continue to work with businesses impacted. The bell and the question period.